July marks 20 years since the end of the Rwandan genocide. In the summer of 1994, the death of the country's president, Juvenal Habyarimana, sparked brutal violence between the country's two major ethnic groups. The genocide took place over 100 days, but left an estimated 1 million people dead. Two decades on, I've come to Manchester to speak to Richard Bender, a Rwandan academic and genocide survivor. In this episode, he recalls the events of the genocide and begins by explaining what it was like growing up in Rwanda as a half Hutu, half Tutsi. It made your life uncomfortable, and I think that is a good thing, not to be comfortable in either group, because the lack of comfort makes you sick, you know, a better way of dealing with things. But once you are settled and say, well, I'm Hutu 100%, I'm Tutsi 100%, it's as if your life is predetermined to go a certain way. So operating on the margin of, of, of both group, it wasn't... It, as a child, you, you know, you, obviously you take your father's identity, but you can't deny your mother's side of the family. So, which, which was which? Um, so the father was Tutsi, the mother was Hutu, but then even on on both sides, it wasn't that clear cut. So, and I've never been comfortable calling myself uh, a Tutsi or a Hutu, because it, it really doesn't, it doesn't register. And you try to convey that idea to, um, to people who have a certain stability in their ethnic identity. And it's as if they, they, they imagine that everybody is in the same, you are either one or the other. But uh, I think what current debates are showing that there are quite a lot of people who evolve on the margins. Um, you negotiate a reality as it comes. Some days are good, some days are bad. You could escape violence and you could die uh, because of, of that ambiguity of identity. But given the choice, I would still remain in an ambiguous state because it opens you, your heart and your mind to accepting more people, to accept difference, because you live a state of contradiction within yourself, so you accept that those contradictions ex exist in, in society. So, and I developed, I developed that mentality from a younger age anyway. Uh, I have cousins in one group. I have cousins in another group. I have uncles in one group. You sleep in one house today, you sleep in another house today. How, how do you choose? How did you then negotiate that? Almost a tightrope, I guess, during 1994, while you were at university? I, I wasn't, it wasn't a good time to, 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 to start university. We started university in 93, and it was a bad, bad time. Because we started university when the president of Burundi had been assassinated. So that was a Hutu president assassinated, and we had quite a few Burundian students in our midst. And so tensions were, were palpable even when we started. The war was still going on, uh, so there were tensions within Rwandan, and there were endless um, 
killing of Hutu politicians. I had a girlfriend um, in, 90, in 93 and um, at the university, so I, I suppose I had an outlet for my feelings. Uh, I lost her in 94, but uh, then it, it, I, I, what I'm trying to say is you had someone to share uh, those difficult times with. We had to escape the university because uh, before the genocide started, our university was on lockdown uh, and the students were on strike and I don't know if it was a politically engineered strike. So e even then it was, it was dangerous for people of a certain ethnicity to be on campus and we had to yeah we had we, we, we had to you had to be quiet I suppose to, to, to not make yourself more visible than you want to be um, and certainly my, my, my girlfriend was um, what you would call a visible Tutsi person so she was even more, more, um, more of a target. So we, we had to find a way of leaving the campus. And some of the friends we left behind, obviously, were killed. And we left our belonging in, in university. I don't have anything from, the, from prior to 94 that belongs to me. The only item that I have from before 94 is my secondary school diploma. That's the only thing I have from 1990. I don't have a photo, I don't have an item of clothing because everything was lost at university. Universities have, I suppose, a base of learning, enlightenment, but also, I guess, very strong politics and everyone is very much set in their ideals. What, what happens to university students when something like 1994 genocide happens? <laughs> I wish I were on campus, or maybe not but I wasn't on campus when it happened. Because it happened around Easter holidays, some of us had gone home for, for the holidays. In fact, when it started, I was in a, in a prayer retreat, and two-day prayer retreat after Easter, because I thought we needed a bit of spiritual uh, help before going back to uni. Because when we left the, the university, the atmosphere was so toxic, it was unreal. So my girlfriend and I had decided to go and and pray for a couple of days and then go to university because we had exams coming up. As for the question, what happens to students? The University of Rwanda had a motto, which was to be the light and the salvation of the people. So the luminet salus populi. But in 94, the light went out proper. Obviously, people who are on campus, students who are on campus, were killed by, by other students. Um, lecturers got involved in killings or, or, in, or in, the, in, the, in, the, in the genocidal government. Even before the genocide, student movements are always the, are the, the earliest target of politicians because a, they know they are the future of the country and they know they have 
they have an influence on other young people. So, so even in in, in university uh, groups or, or unions, you could start see the beginnings of of, of splitting and uh, and divisions on ethnic lines, but also on party lines. So, on our campus, we had a very strong MDR uh, group, but you also had very strong. In Nerahamwe students, I don't know if they were in Nerahamwe as such. In Nerahamwe has taken a different connotation after the genocide, but most of the the youth belonging to Emerende would have been called uh, in Nerahamwe before Nerahamwe became synonymous with killer or genocidaire. So the, the, the university had already already been infiltrated. It was inevitable that that was going to happen anyway. Whether reason helped in any way to stem off the ideology of genocide, I, I, I don't see that. I, I didn't see that. And coming from a mixed family, what, what happened to, to your family during this time? Uh, some members of the family killed, uh, others were killed. Uh, some members of my family killed other members of, uh, of my family. Um, I think the tragedy of 1994 was the intimacy of the killings, uh, because very few people were killed by strangers, except in, 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 main, in major cities and towns. Mo most people are killed by those who knew them. So when you have mixed families, uh, I, because I wasn't, I was, I wasn't in my, district or in my village, I genuinely believed and hoped that because of the, because of uh, the, the, the kind of the mixed nature of the family, that they were not going to be affected. I genuinely believed that, you know, some people will stand up and, and shelter their, 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 their relatives, but no, no. Um, I think it is this, it is, uh, it's the hardest thing to cope with after the genocide, to realize that you will never develop the same relationship you had with, say, your uncle or your cousin, because you know that in 1994 they transgressed sacred alliances and and um, we have a saying in Kinyarwanda, which means to reach down in your, in your guts and wrench them out. And it is something you use when you talk about killing your own. And I, I, I find that genocide itself, we, as a Rwandan phenomenon, was, was that, just friends, betraying friends and families, betraying families, and in the same way, harming themselves. So nobody really survived the genocide unharmed.
look out for the next parts of my conversations with Richard on the Pod Academy website at www.podacademy.org and stay up to date by following us on Twitter at Pod Academy. In the other two pods, we discuss the process of reconciliation and Rwanda's charismatic president, Paul Kagame. This has been Pod Academy. I've been Alex Bird. Thanks for listening.